Welcome back, everyone, to episode 5 of We Are Everything Football Podcast. And uh, this week is another week of a lot of recaps, a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, this is, this is football. This is why we love football so much. Every week, there's something new, something exciting to talk about. And like me and Raymond always keep saying that we want to keep the episode short around like 40, 45 minutes. But I think that's quite impossible to do, bro. We would try to do it this episode. Yep. We promise. Yeah, but we I, try. I don't think so. So this week we have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. Our main topic, as you can read from the title, Oli out. I mean, obviously this question is for me as a menu fan, but I would also like to hear what Raymond thinks about it. We also have Pep versus Klopp. Oh my god, what a game of football. 2-2. Two, two. What a great scoreline. And blues on top. Yep. Chelsea and this weekend on top of the Premier League table and this is where we're going to start with Chelsea beat Southampton 3-1 and I remember last week I told you bro that Southampton are not a team that you should underestimate you know they took a point against City they took a point against United they are not a team that's quite easy to beat and you may say because James Watt-Prowse got the, the red card when it was 1-1 and then Chelsea went on to score 2 and win but I think I think Chelsea had the game uh, wrapped up to to win already, regardless of the red card or not. But yeah, share with us what what do you think, um, about the game? How do you think your your team played last weekend? So you uh, you guys know how I was so disappointed last weekend because of the two losses, but that changed very quickly over the weekend with the Southampton win. What is more important than the result is actually the performance. Over the, the last week, the past, the last two games before the Southampton game, the results were poor and the performance were poor as well. So, very happy that actually we put in a very good performance against a team. Yeah, like like he said just now, it's not easy to beat this season. Two disallowed goals, you know, the Werner disallowed goal and the Lukaku's one. Lukaku's one, I understand it's off, it's slightly a bit offside, but bro. Martin Atkinson and Mike Dean is shit. Nah, everyone, everyone knows their, 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 their tricks. And, but there's one thing I want to ask you, right? Okay, remember the transfer window? Chelsea sold one of your first-team centre-backs. You know, they sold Kurt Zuma to, to West Ham. And you spent the whole summer trying to get Jules Kunde, which uh, did not happen. Everyone knows why, because Sevilla asked for the, the, a lot of, uh, for the transfer fee and everything. Last minute. Yeah, in the in the very last day of the transfer window, Tuchel could not get the centre back he wanted, so he just took a returning loanee in Trevor Chaloba, put him in the first team, and I think this is another example of a stroke of masterclass from Thomas Tuchel. I mean, what a performance from from Trevor Chaloba! He got another goal and a great goal, and there are many people calling him out as the man of the match for that game. Was he? Your man of the match as well. Yeah, Trevor, another Cobham, Cobham graduate, came in, took a, gave him the chance. He took it very well. Good performance in the preseason Super Cup game final. Very good performance and good debut performance in the Premier League. Got a goal as well. Good goal. And in the South London game, yet he performs again. He, so far... Every time he plays, he doesn't seem to have a bad game. But yeah, 
he's such a young player, you know, play with a good maturity to his game. And with the likes of, you know, Thiago Silva, you no know, Rudiger, Aspi, he's just going to be getting better and better. But before I move on to the next one, just go back to the um, disallowed goals. Okay, Mike Dean asked Martin Atkinson to look at VAR and it went back to 17 seconds before that goal. You know how long is 17 seconds? Yeah, that's quite long. 17 seconds far back into before the goal happening, which is when we were almost in like the stage stage 2 or stage 3 of the final attack. The Aspi, and they went back to the Aspi foul, which I don't think is a foul. No, it, it was raining that time. It was slippery. And for, even if it's a foul, it's a so it's a soft touch, right? Yeah, I I mean the two of them are like the biggest referees in the in the game and they have been refereeing the game for very long. They have so many tricks up their sleeve. Every almost 90% of their games are always controversial, bro. Exactly. Even when they when Aspi fouled the Southampton player, and we were still progressing with the attack. It was not even close to being a goal yet. And the Southampton defense had time to reshape, you know, go back to their uh, position and defend. And that after that is when the goal happened. But they decided to went as far back as that. Just disappointed. Even Tuchel is even Tuchel was so angry about it. He went to the fourth official and complained, and he got booked. Uh, I mean, th- this is not surprising from from these two referees. But let let's go on to some more positive things. I want to recap one last thing about Chelsea. How big of an impact was Mason Mount when he came on as a substitute? I mean, I said it last week that he will make a big difference if he was playing. He came on as a sub, and I think he changed the game for you, right? Yes, the prior to the Southampton game, the Juventus and the Man City game badly missed Mason Mount and his energy, known the bridge between um, the defense and the attack. We got him on as a sub and instant, that moment instantly he changed the game. So much energy, known the runs, he never stops running and the way he turns with the ball is, is a, such a threat, such a threat to the opponent's defense and influential is an understatement. But also, not to not to not to mention um Ruben Loftus cheek as well. I said that he deserved a starting spot against Southampton and he got the start and yet again a good performance is starting to feel like he's gone back to the old Ruben Loftus cheek under Mauricio Sarri. Yep, yep. I think I agree with you with everything you said. Really was a 100% effort, uh, 100% deserved to win from Chelsea. Besides the penalty, but you cannot do anything about a penalty. I mean, your academy graduate, Livramento, with such a good technique and chill well with missed time tackle and everything. But overall, I think you are quite happy with the with the game, the performance, and the scoreline, right? Yeah, most happy with the performance. The three points is what matters. And also, good individual performance. And... Lastly, I want to mention um, another player, which is Ross Barkley. Now, Ross Barkley, we didn't, we didn't thought that he would ever play for Chelsea ever again, not even near the starting lineup. You know, the player that went to Aston Villa last season on loan, 
but didn't make it because of not consistent enough. That's why Aston Villa didn't sign him. But he is that player to me. Is like he's like um Alonso 2.0. You know, you thought that he's not he's not gonna play for us ever again. But all of a sudden, he trains hard. They trains hard. He performs, and then he plays. But then after the the pro the only problem with um Ross Barkley is the consistency. How long can he keep doing the kind of thing that he did in Southampton game, which is that pass, which is almost like a Cesc Fabregas type kind of pass. Yeah, the the pass to Aspiliqueta, but. Not only can he keep consistent, but you also know that he is very well known for his injury record. He can get once he gets in, once he gets injured, he's out for a long time. He can barely stay fit. So I think what you need to hope for is he stays fit, but also stays in good shape to keep performing at this level. I mean, Tuchel is the manager who will drop you if you're not performing. So and Ross Barkley is not even like first name on the team sheet yet. So if he wants to make a name for himself in Chelsea in the in the long run. He needs to drop the likes of Jorginho, Kovacic, Mount, Harvard, and everyone. So he needs to be in like 100% every single week, bro. Yeah, agree. Spot on. Uh, good point with the Tuchel uh, dropping players that are not performing. You see that when he asked Ross Barkley to come on instead of Harvard or Ziyech, which rightfully so, the both of them haven't been performing and is on a really bad form so far. It's Especially a, Ziyech, you know. Yeah, it's a big statement from Thomas Tuchel that he chose to bring on Ross Barkley instead of Kai and Ziyech, right? Yeah, you know, uh, Ross Barkley offers something different that Harvard's don't have and Ziyech has but don't doesn't do enough, which is those, those kind of pass that like Ross Barkley did to Aspie. You need to do that more often. Even in the small cameo of Barkley coming on against Juventus, he made that good pass to Lukaku. Yep, yep, agreed, agreed, bro. Um, let's go on to you. Do you want to talk about something positive or something negative now? What do you think? Let's talk about the red side of the Manchester. No, come on, man. Five points dropped at home in the league back to back, bro. I, I don't know what to say, man. But what's going on, man? Okay, let me ask you first. Let me ask you first. Okay, last weekend, uh, sorry, two weeks ago. We lost 1-0 to Aston Villa at home. You know, last minute goal, we dropped three points. Then we went to Villarreal in the Champions League. We stole the win in the last minute, 2-1. And then we go back to the Premier League and we concede and we drew 1-1 against Everton. It was another pathetic performance. But I want to hear from you, from a neutral fan, a non-menu fan. Tell me what you think about Ole. Tell me, bro. I think I've told you this a long time since like last season. I've been telling you that I don't think Ole is the man to bring United back to the glory days. You know, people are people are making a meme out of him saying that calling him a semi-final manager, rightfully so. Over the past few years, he has only reached the semi-final and cannot progress further up until last season, which he finally did, but bottled it in the penalties. Yeah, like... I'm just I'm still I'm still standing firm to my point that I still don't think regardless of how many World Cup players Ole signs, he still doesn't get you trophies. Like even with this squad right now, United is good enough to challenge on all four competitions. But that doesn't come into reality until you change your manager. I agree with you, bro. Like Ole 
to me, I think he has hit his ceiling. You know, you're in the league. Um, you're in a football league where it has all the best players, all the best managers. I mean, you're talking about the top four race. It's Ole versus Tuchel versus Pep versus Klopp. I mean, these these three managers are world class, bro. They have won everything, everywhere they have went. And Ole is, I think, honestly, he has reached his ceiling, bro. This is the furthest he can go. This is the highest he can reach. I, although I am Ole out, but I'm not going to hope that, you know, man, you lose the game, lose every game, just so that the manager gets sacked. I mean, that's not that's not what a fan does, like, obviously. I would still, even though he's still in charge, I would still want him to, to do well and at least get us the win. But I hope they see that Ole is not the person to carry this team forward, bro. Because I think this is the furthest he can go already, bro. Five points drop at home. At home, I mean, that is embarrassing, bro. Yeah, I I heard uh, I saw a video in YouTube um of Gary Neville uh, in for Sky Sports saying that he never ever um basically he doesn't see a United team winning the league when they concede so many counter attacks at Old Trafford. I agree, I agree, with you bro. Like the Everton game, that goal from Andros Townsend, counter attack, the four one win against Newcastle. The goal from um their right back Mankio counter attack. There are so many goals we considered this season on the counter attack, bro. Even the Villarreal game counter attack. The the thing about it is, it is not just the defense. It is from the midfielders to the defense. The transition from when we are hit on the counter attack, the discipline in defense and everything, the organization, the communication, everything is going wrong at the back, bro. You can have. Ronaldo up front. It's like having a Ferrari in the front, but uh, a school bus at the back. There's no point if the whole team is not on the same level. You get what I mean? And this is not only about the manager, but the coaching staff. I mean, Tuchel, Pep and Klopp, not only are they world-class managers, but they have world-class coaching staff. You know, that the managers are not going to be there 24-7 to, to train with them and everything. The, the, the coaches of the managers do it for them. And you look at Ole's coaching stuff. They are nowhere near half of the world-class coaches that, that Chelsea, Liverpool and City have. So, there is no point, there is no point hoping that Ole can do something with this squad. There's no hope that we'll win the league or the Champions League as long as Ole's in charge because we don't really need to change the manager. Bro, we need to change the whole coaching staff, bro. And there are so many links and rumours going out now that actually United are being linked to um, Zidane, and Conte and Ajax's manager Eric Ten Hag, but I don't know, bro. I just all I know is Ole, Ole can't get the job done right now because five points at home, bro. Come on, bro. Five points at home. That is, that is just I have no words to describe that, bro. It's not even about you having a Lamborghini kind of attack and a school bus kind of defense. Actually, your defense is kind of like a Lamborghini too, but it's just that your manager is a school bus driver. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I agree with you. I mean, he doesn't know how to get the best out of the, the defense, right? Exactly. He doesn't know how to get the best out of this team. Bro, imagine you have Ronaldo, Sancho, Mason Greenwood, your golden boy, and Marcus Rashford potentially coming back and starting for you guys. 
in midfield you have two two top top class midfielders in Pogba and Bruno. No Bruno, as much as I hate him as being a diver, but he does create create chances for your team. You have that, and then you have Rafael Varane, Harry Maguire. You no know, Harry Maguire, we've given a lot of slack for you no know, being a slap head and a defender with such um such heavy price. You no, know, but doesn't perform shit. But he is a good defender actually. Just that your manager doesn't know how to get the best out of this team. Bro, you give even Graham Potter, I would say we do a better job. Oh, bro, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Graham Potter is playing fantastic football with, with Brighton, bro. And our mani- my manager, Ole, like you, like you just list all those World Cup players, and he's playing McFred, McTominay and Fred in midfield, bro. Graham Potter will get the best out of this, this football club, and Graham Potter can win us this league. I can guarantee you that, bro. Graham Potter from Brighton can do a better job than Ole. Definitely. Yeah, uh, another point to point out that Ole, some managerial you know, uh, tactic is that when you see that in a few games, in the multiple games, that something is not working, like you keep getting draws or you're not getting the Ws, you know, why not switch up in the midfield? Like maybe get Fred out, maybe start don't even the big, you know. Although I know that he's not gonna start, but you know, at least if things are not going well, you know we have to change things. You no, know, like what Tuchel did, make five changes in the starting lineup against Southampton. Exactly, bro. I I I one hundred percent agree with you. Like, change things when it's not working. I agree with you. And what does our manager do? He still picks Fred, who is most obviously the weakest player in our team right now. He has been seven games in in the Premier League. And I think out of those seven games, he started six maybe. And all those games that Fred has played, I don't think he has ever did what he's supposed to do. He he gets out-muscled. He gets outrun. He gets dragged out of position so often. He has cost us so many points, bro. And my manager still sticks with McTominay and Fred. Van der Beek does not get a chance. Pogba was dropped. I mean, come on, bro. Something needs to change. I mean, if Ole keeps keeps staying in his job, he will keep picking McTominay and Fred. And the longer he picks McTominay and Fred, the longer we have to wait for another trophy, bro. I'm telling you this. Get me a new manager, please. I'm begging you, bro. I can I'll take Zidane, I'll take Conte, I'll take Eric Tenhag, I'll take Graham Potter. Uh, but I have told you before that the manager I want is Atletico Madrid's Diego Simeone, bro. If you get me that man, I can guarantee you we will win the league. And the Champions League, we can do it, bro. It's just Ole cannot get the job done, bro. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, but in terms of your midfield, I get that no, no Matic is old and not able to play every game. But even though he's old, I think he is still capable enough to start for you in every Premier League game and in the Champions League game. Maybe in some champ maybe in the earlier stages of the Champions League game you can not start Matic but in the no if you reach latter stages then yeah I think your your best duo or pairing and say um Matic and Pogba. Yeah I agree with you Matic and Pogba is our best pairing bro and even you who are not who are not a United fan you can tell me that Matic should start every Premier League game. Even though he doesn't play the Champions League game he plays the Premier League game. It's a one-week break, bro. He did not play against Aston Villa. He did not play against Villarreal. 
he is 100% fit to play against Everton. But my manager didn't choose him, bro. I don't know why. To be honest, I, I would play Fred in FA Cup or Carabao Cup games. Yeah, because that's just the level he is, bro. I, I am not, I am not um satisfied whenever I see Fred start because I just don't get that 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 security. When I see Fred in the lineup, I just know that something bad is gonna happen. And this is not me singling out or trying to hate on a player, but it's just facts, bro. It's seven games in, um, the Premier League, two games in the Champions League, one game in the Carabao Cup. It's already ten games, bro. And it's been two seasons I've seen Fred play. He just. He just can't give us what a midfielder is supposed to give us. Just look at Kovacic in one game. Fred cannot achieve that. Fred has not achieved that, sorry, for his entire career, bro. His entire career. Yeah, if you want to play Fred in a similar role like Kovacic, you know you have to know how to drop deep with the defense and dribble with the ball. Well, that's what Kovacic does. Even he's not He's not a defensive midfielder, but you know he can defend properly because under the coaching of good managers, that's what good managers brings you, lets you do. You know, even you are a player not designed to do that stuff, but when you have a great manager, you can do other stuff great as well. Yeah, exactly, bro. Like I said, this is a managerial thing, bro. Ole can be as good as he wants as a man manager. Like he brought the best out of Luke Shaw and everything, but that's not gonna win us the league, bro. It really is not gonna win us the league. The, the players we have can win the Premier League. We can win the Champions League. But it's not just the players, bro. You need the managers. You need the right coaching staff. You need the right tactics and everything. And like I said last week and the last and the last two weeks on our podcast, Moments FC, bro, he just depends on individual brilliance to win him the games. If they, the players do not perform on that game, he's not going to win. And that's that's what happened the last two, two games in the Premier League, bro. We dropped five points because Ole could not get the job done bro he could not yeah but seriously i don't i don't know why um ole doesn't change things up you know like i don't know about the whole vanderbeek situation i know probably he he's not probably um ole's kind of player or he's maybe not the player that he wanted to sign but even if that is true when your own players are not performing you at least have to put him on and just let him um, let Van Der Beek show what he can do and maybe after that you can decide if you want to still keep benching him or you still want to play yeah exactly Fred. bro you did not even give Van Der Beek a chance and you have already deemed him the player that you don't want like come on bro McDominay and Fred have, has proved time and time again that they cannot get the job done you don't want to do something about it you still keep choosing them I mean, come on, Tuchel doesn't want Buckley. Obviously, Tuchel didn't sign Buckley. Buckley was was there since before Tuchel joined. And what did Tuchel do? He brought the pass out of Buckley in just two games, bro. And Ole is not even going to give Donny van der Beek, who is an Ajax Academy graduate. Have you seen the players that that the that come through the academy through Ajax, bro? Frankie de Jong. Come on, look at these type of players, bro. They can they can do so well about, um, in, in Ajax and when they when they sign for new clubs. Ole doesn't give Vanderbeek a chance to prove himself and he decides to bench him. And look at Tuchel. He's just giving people chances here and there like Chaloba and Buckley and look at what look at what they're doing, bro. It is a joke, I tell you. Yeah, and not to mention Vanderbeek came from an Ajax team that was that was reaching the latter stages of the sem, uh, semi-final. Yeah, it was the, a semi-final. Yeah, semi-final in the Champions League. 
during uh in one season he brought his he's from that ix team you know and to not even give him a chance in the league or in the champions league it's just it's it's just um disappointing you know you never know what you get or you, you never know what happens if you play this kind of player when nobody's expecting you know like ross barkley i didn't expect him to make that pass to us but he did yeah, exactly but i agree with 100 when the big deserves a chance and i don't blame him because there's a lot of rumors going out that he's going on loan in january and i hope he does because he needs to save his career always killing it but i don't know bro even though you sign sancho Varane. Ronaldo in the summer, we are not going to win the, the league if, if, if Ole is still a manager. Get me a new manager. I mean, Zidane and Conte are somewhere in Europe on a holiday right now. Just give them a call, pay them the, the wage they want and get them in. Although they are not the long-term options that I prefer, bro, they can get the job done earlier than Ole, Ole can, ever, can ever do it, bro. Yeah, I've said this so many times to you that Ole is the one factor stopping united that to go to go back to the glory days you know even um during last summer when united were making so many signings you know in sancho Ferran, and even in the late move in ronaldo i wasn't still like 100 fully scared of united just because of your manager if like you get the antonio conte type of manner manager then i would say more than likely you guys are going to win at least something even an FA Cup, man, I don't think Ole can do it. But you put Conte in like one month before the season ends, we can we can probably win something, bro. I, that is that is the difference between a world class manager and just a manager, bro. You, I mean, for Ole right now, all I see is just a title. But people like Tuchel, Conte, you know, all these kind of managers, they are actually proven world class managers who can actually get the job done. Exactly, I. But I saw in Twitter uh, a few days ago that uh, the uh, the United board are still confident and they will fully back Ole, you know, um, and give him however long he needs. But I think uh, between Ole, uh, Mikel Arteta, and Lampard, you know, that era was like the the more trending era where um, our ex our club's ex players or legends goes to be our manager and every club. Or every one of us wish that that would uh, survive very long and we would be successful. Obviously, um, Chelsea banned, abandoned that idea and Arsenal are still sticking with Arteta and you see it happening now with United. Uh, United board are sticking in with Ole. Bro, there's actually a really simple reason why they stay with Ole because number one, he's not as expensive as what a Conte or a Zidane will ask for. And number two, he's a yes man, bro. He's a puppet for this, for the board, for the for the owners. He will do exactly what the owners tell him to do. He will not go against the managers. Like if like you've seen Conte in Chelsea and Inter Milan, if the project doesn't suit him, he does not get what he wants, he will leave, bro. Like, but this is an example of a world class manager. If they cannot get the job done with what with what they want, obviously they will leave. But Ole is not that kind of manager. He would he would say yes, he's a yes man, bro. So that's why the board won't sack him. That's why he won't leave. It will need... This is what pains me to say is it will need for Menu to do really, really bad to fall really, really deep for the manager to make... Uh, for the board to make a, a change. But that is not what I want to see happen to United. All I want to see is the board, the manager, everyone in the football club realize that 
this is time for Lee. He has hit his ceiling. He has reached the end of this road that um, for him as a United manager, I would give him the praise and the credit for transforming United from when he took over um, Jose Mourinho. He brought in the players with, with real United identity. He brought in good players, stabilized the foundation and everything. But this is as far as it goes, bro. Give me a Diego Simeone right now, bro. My first choice, Diego Simeone right now. I can guarantee you, bro. He will solidify the defense. He will make the whole team very disciplined. He would bring in his his vision, his tactic. I don't care if it's park the bus, bro, because that is what win you games when your your team is as disciplined as that. But give me a Diego Simeone, a Conte, a Zidane right now, even a Graham Potter, bro. We will we would we will at least achieve something, bro. Really. Yeah, I I told you that um, longevity is not something that happens every day now in in football. You know, you don't your club doesn't guarantee you time, and you don't get time if you don't get success. Uh, success. You know, you think Tuchel would not be sacked in one season if let's say this season we don't get top four or even top six. You know, Roman definitely would put the gun onto his head. If he falls out of top four or top six, even though if he that guy won us the Champions League last season, yeah, I I agree with you, bro. I mean, this is not the time where you know a few years ago where Sir Alex Ferguson can will stay for like fifteen years, Arsene Wenger for like twenty years. I mean, that is not part of football anymore. But the thing is, Roman is a serial winner, bro. He wants to win and win and win. My my owners just want the money, 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 bro. He they are not anywhere near. Roman Abramovich, they don't care about the titles, they don't care about the trophies, they just want the money, the revenue, and everything, the profits. If you give me an owner like, like Roman, and you give me a manager like Tuchel, Champions League with United is a, is a, is a no problem for me, bro. No problem at all. No, no, that's the only problem with United. You know? The owners, the board, you know, need to be more ruthless into their decision-making, you know? We, we we were tenth in one one point in last season when Lampard was still in charge. You know, everyone nobody thought that Roman would even dare to pull the trigger on sacking Lampard. You know, our best ever player in our Club history. Club legend, bro. Club legend, best ever player in our history. You know, even I myself, I didn't think that it it would happen. I I I know a small part inside of me that think it will happen but I honestly didn't expect it to happen because you know just I just can't imagine the situation of Roman sacking no Lampard you know like how Lampard is going to feel like to Chelsea after the sacking but he did and Lampard Lampard understand that no Chelsea is a club that it's ambition to win trophies every single season and if let's say even if a season without trophy is considered a failure, like getting top four consistently, it's not even a it's not even an achievement for us. Yeah, I agree, with you bro. We just need a ruthless owner and a world class manager. But obviously, that's not what we're gonna get. I can't. I I just want to talk about a manager. But I mean, even the owner, it, it starts all the way from the top, and I'm not gonna go into that because that's gonna be like three three episodes worth of time to talk about. But on the topic of world-class managers, bro, last weekend, we were shown a performance from two world-class managers and two world-class teams. I mean, that is probably the best game of Premier League football we have seen this season, bro. 2-2, Man City 
against Liverpool, the goal was 2-2, uh, the scoreline was 2-2 and I think that was definitely some very entertaining football bro. What was your, what were your thoughts? Hands down, the best game of this season so far. You know, two world-class teams, two world-class managers. One world, you could say um, two, both teams are world-class squads or teams, starting eleven at least. Good game, great game to be honest. Um, even the goals, the goals are so good, especially Mohamed Salah's. What a player. Yeah, bro, I was going to get into that. That is probably the goal of the game. What a performance from Mohamed Salah. I mean, that that goal, we were just watching the highlights before, uh, recapping on the highlights before this, this episode started. We went through a bit of the highlights again. I mean, that goal, you saw just bef- before he turned, he was surrounded by three defenders. It was a three-on-one. He cut through them, faked a shot to drop Laporte and scored with his right foot, bro. I mean, that is just a world-class performance from Mohamed Salah. Yeah, Mo Salah, I think um, I saw a stat like a few days ago that I'm not sure if it was um, Mo Salah's 150th goal for Liverpool already. That was you know, such an achievement, you know. I would say, um, apart from Messi and Ronaldo, Mo Salah is probably just under that tier of world-class player right now. Yeah, definitely, bro. I mean, this is coming from a United fan. You cannot deny that Mo Salah is one of the best players for at least four or five years now. He has transformed Liverpool and that goal just proves that he is a big game player, bro. This is what a big game player does. They perform on this type of games. But don't forget Phil Foden, bro. I mean, Phil Foden was... They gave, by the way, they gave the the man of the match to two players, by the way. They gave it to Salah and Foden. It was a joint man of the match uh, award. But Foden put on the fuck, uh, the damn good performance, bro. Really, bro. It was... 100% probably the best game he has shown this, this season. Good performance. You know, I, uh, during the earlier episodes of in the, this podcast, I said that uh, I put Foden in the category of um, Young Player of the Year candidate award, you know, and rightfully so because, again, he performed in the Liverpool game, scored an amazing goal, you know, from that angle, you know, it's so hard to f- drill that ball into the far bottom corner. And it's against Alisson, you know. It's never easy. Such a young player as well. And to be performing in games like this, in big games like this, not just one big game, you know. Even last season, he was producing games. He was producing um, numbers in the Champions League and in the Premier League. And I think it was it, he played a major part in Man City's last season's success. Yeah, exactly, bro. And... I, I, I don't know what to say, man. He's just generational talent, like, definitely, bro. He's only so young and he's already so good. But let's not forget another player in Man City squad. I mean, Bernardo Silva put in a great, great performance, bro. I said before this podcast, he probably had glue on his boots because no one could stop him, bro. He was destroying their midfield, dribbling past four, five, six, seven players. He was... uh another world-class performance from Bernardo Silva. And he was playing central midfield. He was playing so deep and he still did that well, bro. Yeah, I saw um in some moment in the game that he dribbled past four or five players and still managed to find, I think it was Foden. I think he find it was Foden and Foden you know, didn't, didn't uh, make it into a goal. But if he did, you know, season 
I mean, assist of the season, without a doubt. <laughs> Definitely, bro. But, but really, that was 90 minutes of excellent football. High tempo, fast movement. I mean, the ball was not not slow at all. Everyone just kept moving the ball. And uh, I don't know about you, but in the first half, um, City should have scored more, obviously. They, they were dominating Liverpool in the first half. Do you see how well City played? Like, the way they moved the ball, the way they keep the pressure up, the way they press so deep into Liverpool's um, opposition box. They are definitely a team to watch out to win the Premier League. And they did not even sign Kane, who they actually wanted the whole summer, bro. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are saying, and it's definitely correct, that if City did get Kane, bro, we might as well just give up the league, man. Because they are performing this well and scoring so many goals, even without Harry Kane. Well, just imagine what would they do with Harry Kane on their team. I think we will either watch the Bundesliga or we will watch basketball if the um, City has signed Kane in the summer. Oh, I would go to and watch the uh, Serie A just because um, no Tammy Abraham and Kyle Tomori is there. Yeah, but bro, come on, that was 90 minutes of excellent football. Like, I did not even want to watch that game because they are both of they are both the teams that I hate as a United fan. But what a performance from like twenty two players on that pitch. Even even James Milner, who got skinned by Phil Foden the whole ninety minutes, it was still a very good performance from all the twenty two players. What a game of football, bro! Um, yeah, Milner probably um went home in an ambulance after that game. You know, ran his socks off just because of Phil Foden. You know, needs to keep Foden on his toes. But Milner, yeah, um, despite his age. He's still able to do so, but credits to him, he keeps his body well and his fitness well. So, yeah. But, let's go on to another topic. We want to talk about another player. Um, his name is Huang Hee Chen. We talked about him, Um, I think it was maybe last, last week's episode, that we should keep an eye on him. He scored on his debut and all. But on his home debut, Wolves against Newcastle, it was a 2-1 win. Home debut and he scored two goals, bro. Two goals. I mean, obviously he has he has definitely a player to watch out for this season, right? Yeah, two good goals. Two goals assisted by none other than Raul Jimenez, the player returning after a horrible head injury. You no, know, looking like he's coming back to his old player, his old self in Raul Jimenez, and we could well truly be seeing the new partnership of Traore and Jimenez in Jimenez and Huang Hee-chan. You know, a Korean player. You know, I always get excited when some Asian uh, comes into the Premier League. You no, know, just because we're Asian as well. But yeah, always happy to see Asians performing well in the Premier League. Yeah, but that was that was not just two normal goals. It was two home debut goals and it was two wonderful goals from Huang Hee-chan, bro. Like the, the precision to score on your right yeah, and you score on your left. Like, oh my god. I mean, the, the Wolves fan, they, the start of the season, it was quite tough for them. They were not able to score goals in the first three games. Even the Man U game, when they came, um, when we faced against Wolves, they deserved to at least get a point. Like, they were true on goal. They could not score and everything. It was really tough for them. But now, I think they they, they can definitely stay in, the, stay in the league. They can definitely aim for a top half finish. Because, my God, what a player man Huang Hee Chen is. Yeah, uh, obviously tough start um, towards the season for the Wolves. But, you know, um, 
Wolves can honestly be a very, very good team that keeps on winning new games. You know, if they some they put away chances that they miss sometimes in games, you know. Even like in the um, games against United, Traver actually ran past your midfield like it was nothing. But he ran past so many times, but his final his final decision, you know, the final ball sometimes is a bit off. Yeah. I would say the front three if you play Rao Jimenez, um Huang Hee Chen and Trin Kao, you know, is performing quite good in Wolves lately. If they can just start to put away those chances, we it's not even a surprise to me if, if they finish in the top six. Yeah, definitely, bro. And the the front three you said Trin Kao, Jimenez and Huang Hee Chen, that was the front three that started against Newcastle and that was the front three that won them the game. That was a really good performance, but let's talk about another performance. Brentford, bro, the team that just came up last season, the team that has never played Premier League football in their entire club history, they managed to get a 2-1 win against West Ham, who started the season very, very well. They scored a last-minute winner, and they got another three points. Bro, come on, talk to me about Brentford, bro. They have definitely... Not just a player to watch, they are a team to watch this season, bro. Yeah, they are really starting to look like um Leicester 2.0 in if this keeps going up. But yeah, as you said, a very good team to watch this season. Not obviously not a easy team to beat, you no. Know? Drew against Liverpool and played some good games, you know, also as well before that, and also won against Arsenal. Yeah, two two nil, I think it was. Uh yeah, and then after the international break, um I think yeah, after the international break, we play let me see. Yeah, but come on, bro. They they don't look like a team that is scared, you know. They don't look like a team that, that has never played because they never played Premier League football, they don't look like a team that's afraid to to go up against the big boys. And you're right, after the international break, it will be Chelsea home. Are Chelsea going to the Brentford Community Stadium? Yes. For the first time, probably, I think. Um, but you just said how good Brentford was. I know that you cannot be too overly confident that Chelsea will win. I know no. you would think Chelsea should win, but I don't think you should be surprised that Brentford can actually do something in that game because, like you said, they managed to get a draw against Liverpool and a win against Arsenal. Bro, as a Man U fan, I'm already scared to face Brentford, but what do you think? Yeah, so after the break, we come back and we go to the Brentford Community community Stadium to face off a very good performing Brentford. Not only you are scared, bro, but I'm scared of the game as well. I won't be surprised if we draw, but um, with Tuchel and the squad we have, I don't expect and don't think we should lose. A draw is... Um, reasonable against Brentford, but yeah. Um, if it was a Brentford win, I would say I'm disappointed. As a Chelsea fan, yeah, I understand you'll be disappointed because if Menu lose against Brentford, also, I will be disappointed. But as a neutral fan, I want to see. I want to actually see Brentford get something good this season, bro. If they can get like a top six finish, or win an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup. I mean, it's another fairy tale story, like like what we've seen, like you said, a Leicester two point bro. Yeah, I, um, as a neutral fan point of view, honestly, I wanted to do well as well, but yeah, I only wish them well after our game. 
Okay, fair, fair, fair enough, fair enough. So yeah, we'll try to end the episode not too late, and we'll just go on to our to our last topic of the episode. There are so many news coming out um earlier today that Newcastle will finally be taken over, bro. The the takeover is almost going to go through. It's almost one hundred percent. Uh, apparently it's from a Saudi Arabian um company, is it? But yeah, the Newcastle takeover is going to happen. And bro, it's gonna be like one of your FIFA career modes, bro. They're gonna sign the likes of like Mbappe and all. What do you think about this takeover? Bro, honestly, um obviously this um Newcastle takeover happened, I think, around last last season, but eventually it didn't happen at that time. But now it's starting to come back, you know. Um today and in the last few days, we've seen rumors coming back and the takeover could well be happening very very soon um also just now i just saw on twitter um a stats of premier league clubs owners before this as of now before the takeover uh, is officially confirmed man city's owner you know sheikh mansour is the highest has the highest net worth of owners in the premier league right now with i think 23 billion something 23 point something billion of net worth and right behind him is um um, my owner, which is the uh, Roman Abramovich, which has a net worth of nine nine point something billion. Yeah, if let's say this takeover is official, bro, that gap between Sheikh Mansour and that Newcastle owner, um, I think it's from um, Saudi some Saudi Arabia or something like that. The gap, bro, is like two hundred ninety plus billions in difference between him. And Sheikh Mansour. Yeah, I mean, I won't be surprised if they turn into the next Man City and sign, sign big name players and trying to aim for the Champions League and Premier League and everything. If this if this takeover goes through, and it goes well, they can truly be one of the top fours in maybe three to five seasons. But we have seen in the past, maybe not in the Premier League, but in so many other football clubs that some takeovers don't go well even after it happens you know there is obviously financial fair play rules and everything but if it all goes well and there's no there's no violation and everything what do you think about us sitting here in four to five years time talking about newcastle winning the champions league bro obviously uh newcastle was a very big club and was a good club with a good history before before Everything turns into um horrible after who's their owner? Is it something Ashley? Yeah, Mike Ashley, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh after that owner came and took over, everything went shit, you know, for them. But yeah, if this let's say this takeover is confirmed, you no, know, it's a start of a journey to bring Newcastle back to the very top. But yeah, if this takeover is confirmed, you no. Know, you just you just know that what kind of players that Newcastle are going to sign, you know, what kind of what kind of projects that they are gonna to propose to the clients, you know, to the players, to the players' agents and to managers, you know. With this much net worth coming into your club, many, many prospects are gonna be so excited in this Newcastle project. And yeah, it's gonna be so weird, you know, if in a few years' time we're gonna be sitting here and talk about Newcastle dominating English football and being 
Champions League winners. It's, it's gonna be so weird. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really weird, bro. But I was the one who predicted Newcastle will get relegated. If the takeover doesn't happen, yeah, they will definitely get relegated in my opinion. But if the takeover happens, you have to let me change my prediction, bro. Because obviously they were not gonna get relegated if if they get the takeover. Because I just don't see how it happens. But yeah, Newcastle in a few years' time can well and truly be one of the big names in English football, bro. And I'm scared to talk about that in, in our future podcast. You know, Sheikh Mansour with a net worth of 23 billion is doing that with Man City. Bro, imagine Newcastle with 300 billions of net worth. What are they going to do? It's like times 100 of what Man City are doing right now. Mbappé, bro. That's who you're going to get. Mbappé. They're going to get Newcastle. Mbappé. They're going to get Mbappé's son. They're going to bet uh, Leo Man- uh, Messi's son, you know. Even Cristiano Ronaldo Jr., they're going to get you know, that front three in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't know, man. Newcastle. Let's let's see if we have any updates in our next week's episode for this Newcastle takeover. We'll definitely talk about it if it if there's any updates. But yeah, that's the end of this episode for We Are Everything Football Podcast. And yeah, bro, next weekend, I mean, this weekend is going to be an international break. So we're going to spice things up for next week's episode. And yeah, we'll catch you next week. Yeah, see you guys next Friday. Peace.